our series, okay, we've been in a series for a very long time, and we're just about finished, guys. We've been going through the whole book of Matthew, chapter by chapter, and the title of the series is The Beginning, and the title of today's message is No Fear Equals No Failure. Somebody say, somebody say, no fear equals no failure. And today's challenge question is, and you know, like, like I say every week, you might not understand it right now, but you will towards the end of the message after you understand uh, the concept of what the message is about. Will you have the fear of man or the fear of God? Will you fear man more than you fear God or will you fear God more than you fear man? And you're going to get that in just a little bit. And <clears throat> turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26, please. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26, and let me get an amen when you are there. Amen. You guys are on it today. All right, all right, all right. And I just want, before I go forward, I want to let you guys know, I want, I want you guys to get a visual on where Jesus Christ actually is, because how many of you guys know Jesus Christ existed, right? And it was actually just about 2,000 years ago, and he actually walked this earth, okay? He walked the earth, okay? He walked it. He might have skipped a little bit. He might have, he didn't do none of this, though, but he, but he probably danced, too, okay? It's okay. So let's go ahead and uh, put our eyes over here, and we're going to go ahead and show you a map on where Jesus Christ, I want you guys to understand it, because if you know where Jesus Christ was, and you, you have a deeper understanding where he's actually at, oh, man, like, he's not off in Mars or something? Like, you know, sometimes you could think, and you name names like... I don't even know, like Bethany, you know what I mean? You're just like, Bethany, it's a beautiful name for a girl, whatever. You know, but it was actually a place, okay? It's not somewhere in Mars. So let's go ahead and, and analyze this really quick. Where are we right now? Left or right? Thank you. <laughs> Specifically, we're right here. We're in Chicago, okay? Now, we're looking all the way over here in this section. What's this continent right here? Africa, okay? So we have Africa right here. This, uh, So we're going to be looking right above Africa, right above Egypt. Okay, keep focus right here in this area. Let's go to the next slide. Amen. So what I pointed at was this area right here. This is still Africa right here. This is Egypt, so it's still part of Africa. And then, so we're still focusing on this part right over here. And you see where it says Jerusalem? Okay, it's a very important city in the Bible. All throughout the whole Bible, Jerusalem is mentioned. It's, called, it's, one, it's mentioned as the holy city. So keep focus on that dot, okay? Keep uh, focus on this body of water. Very good, very good. So we're there. Now, where are we? We're in Jerusalem. It's right here. You see it on this dot? So we're here. We just got a close-up, okay? We're going to go close-up just one more time, and boom. So this is where we're at, Jerusalem, okay? This is as close as we're going to get. And specifically in, um, in chapter 26, Jesus Christ is being mentioned that he's in Bethany right here, this town, okay? So this is where we're at, man. We went from all the way, go back, sister, all the way back, boop, 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 boop. All the way here, we're all the way, all going all the way over here, zoom, there, here, and right here. Okay, you guys understand? Isn't that, isn't that cool? You guys know where Jesus Christ actually walked, man, where he preached, dude. Amen? Dude, and do that. Amen. Okay. Anyways, let's go ahead and, and go through Matthew 26. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. It's a big chapter, and not only is it a big chapter, but so many big things happen throughout chapter 26. I don't have enough time to share uh, or read, rather, the uh, verse by verse of what was happening. So I'm going to go ahead and give you a summary, okay? So in Matthew 26, within the first couple of verses, we find that a plan was being formed to arrest and kill Jesus. So there were people planning not just to arrest Jesus, 
Jesus, but to kill him within uh, chapter 26. Jesus was in Bethany, like where I said he was in Bethany in verse 6, where a woman came and poured a jar of very expensive perfume on his head. She was just, she wanted to bless him. She came over and and he was in the town of Bethany. He he was in a house and she just poured this expensive perfume on him. Just, just, um, just, just, you know, just. (laughs) <laughs> she just poured expensive perfume, amen? She was taking care of Jesus, amen? Amen, all right. And then uh, we go on, we see that Judas, Judas is one of the disciples. You guys know how many disciples Jesus Christ have? Twelve disciples. One of the disciples named Judas, okay, agreed to betray Jesus and give him over to be arrested for 30 pieces of gold, uh, silver, so 30 silver coins. So he agreed to go ahead and betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, <clears throat> And then we go on. Jesus had the Last Supper. How many of you guys know the picture of the Last Supper where Jesus is like this? And all the disciples are like this. And it's like all oh, weird poses and stuff. Nobody eats dinner like that. But that's okay. Whatever. So the Last Supper. Okay. So in chapter 26, the Last Supper is mentioned <clears throat> where Jesus is eating with his disciples. And that is where Jesus predicts the betrayal of Judas. He predicts it. He says, Judas is going to betray me. And he's gonna, he also predicts that Peter, another disciple, is going to deny Jesus. So he says, Judas, you're going to betray me, and Peter, you're going to deny me. He predicts those things. Then Jesus went with the disciples to a place called um, Gethsemane, okay? And that's right next to uh, Bethany, just right next to it, just right next to that dot. It's just a little, little town, okay? So he went to that place to pray. He went to that place specifically to pray. And he took his disciples. I want you guys to read this because it's really important. How many of you guys saw me like on my face up here? How many of you guys saw a couple of you guys like on the face? Just just random people just worshiping just on their face, man. Just like not caring. How many of you guys seen that? Rather me or leaders, whatever. Okay, you guys see that. And let's see where it comes from. Verse 39 of chapter 26. Let me get, let me get an amen when you're there. Amen. Going a little farther, he, being Jesus, so Jesus fell with his face to the ground and prayed. You see that? How many of you guys know that could just be a whole nother message? I could preach a whole nother message on that. And that will be on another night, I promise you. But when I read that this week, I was just like, man, I was reminded. It rocked my world. And it's, so, it's just a couple words. You'd be like, man, that, that rocked his world. Like what in the world, what kind of world do you live in? <laughs> Whatever, you know. But Jesus Christ. The man who we were singing to right now, who heard and, uh, and brought down the fire, who brought down the presence, he fell down on his face on the dirt, and he prayed. How much more should we do it? Amen? That's just an example. Like, guys, we, we need to have a prayer life. You need to pray. If Jesus prayed, how much more do we have to pray? How many of you guys raised the dead? How many of you guys have, uh, have pulled somebody out of a wheelchair? Jesus did it, and he prayed. How much more do we have to do it? Amen? That's really important, guys. Prayer is important and is vital in your relationship with God. In verse 47, Jesus becomes betrayed by Judas and is arrested. Jesus was put on trial where the chief priests were looking to, uh, for false 
So they were false evidence. They were looking for lies against Jesus so that they could put him to death. So they were, he was in court. He was in trial. And Jesus was just standing there. And they were just listening to all these accusations that people were throwing out. Oh, they did this. He said this. He did this. He said this. And they were just looking for anything just to crucify Jesus. That's how much they hated him. They were just looking for even lies, man. They were just getting grimy, okay? <clears throat> and Jesus, um, let me go on. I'm sorry. And Peter, and towards the end of chapter 26, Peter then disowns Jesus by denying that he knew him. That's towards the end. I want you guys to focus on that because Peter, a disciple of Jesus Christ, disowns Jesus by dis- denying that he even knew him. That's what I'm going to be focusing on today, guys. So tonight's objective, if you're kind of wondering, okay, what's, what's, what's he getting at? Okay, so he summarized chapter 26. What's, what's your objective, Pastor? What, what are you trying to do here? And what I am trying to prove tonight, what I am trying to pour into your lives tonight is to get over the fear of man. It's to get over the fear of man, meaning get over what, what you think people think about you because you're a Christian. Get over what people think about you. Because you worship God and you were dancing within his presence. Get over it. Some of you guys were, were kind of shy. You guys didn't want to dance right away or whatever. Like, come on, man. That was me too, man. I came in the first time I came in. I was right here. I came through this door. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. What are they doing? What in the world did I just step into? You know, like Twilight Zone, my throat's shut, I can't even do it. You know, you know what I mean? I was just like, oh my gosh, where am I? I never seen that in my life before. Never. And I'm just, and I'm sure some of you guys were like that today. You know, come on, it's understandable. It's human to question things. It's just human nature to want to challenge things, especially when it comes to things of God. Okay, because as human, human nature, we want proof. We want evidence. We want it to be as real as this podium right here that I'm holding. You know what I mean? We want it to be concrete. But you know what? Some of the things that God brings forth, like worship and the presence and the glory and just joy and peace and deliverance, that stuff, I can't give you concrete. I'm sorry. What I could give you is my testimony. My testimony is my story on why I am here today. And what does that do? It's my story to tell you what God did in my life, man. He took me out of so much, guys. Uh, early, I know I say it all the time, and I share my, my testimony all the time because I am just so happy on what God did in my life. He took me out of early stage alcoholism. He took me away from addiction to cigarettes. He took me out of depression. I hated everybody. I hated myself. I hated life. You know what I mean? I, I was just a hater, man. My whole life was nothing but a party. I, the only reason I drank so much is because I couldn't take reality. I couldn't take my own natural life. I couldn't stand it anymore. And once the alcohol wore off, once the buzz and the drunkenness wore off, I was like, oh, here I am again. Back to reality. Back to my old life. And I know some of you guys can relate to that. I know some of you guys would be like, oh, man, my life really sucks right now. And I just can't stand it. You know what I mean? You guys, I know. I am not the only one. I literally used to cut myself and I have the scars to prove it. I will show you. It is so real what God took me out of. And I, for that, man, for that, I am so thankful. There's a story uh, it's just a made-up story, but it's, it's for you to understand a little bit more. I love this story. I never really shared it on Elevate before, um, but Joe has. And it's like <clears throat> a guy just comes on the farm. He's just randomly coming. He's like, oh, oh, doo-doo. and he just sees this dog just jumping, doing flips, running around. You know, you ever see like a really hyper dog, like a farm dog, like running around, going in circles, happy. 
He was just looking at that dog is hyper. They be feeding it some Wheaties or something. You know what I mean? Like what in the world? He put some Wheaties, some some doggy steroids or whatever. You know, they're just like all hyper. Red Bull instead of milk. You know what I mean? And and then the guy comes to the owner. He's like, what in the world do you feed your dog? What happened? What what's why is your dog so happy and just jumping everywhere and so excited? And the owner's like, hey, I was just walking in the woods one day, and I saw him tied up on a tree, abandoned. He was dying. He was starving. He was about to die. He had nothing to live for. And all I did was just uh, free him. I brought him home with me. I fed him. I just got, And I gave him water. And now he's just happy. He's joyful because he's still alive. Right? He's, he's happy. He's running around because he, he almost died. He saw death coming. He was starving. He was suffering. And he hated the life that he was tied up to a tree. And he was ready to just die. And he got set free. You see, that's an example of how we were in the world. That's an example of how I was. I was trapped, tied up to a tree, starving. I was dying spiritually. I was dying and I was headed to hell. And I couldn't stand my life. And it wasn't until God set me free and he fed me. He fed me his word. He fed me his promises. He fed me his love. He fed me the joy, the peace, the patience that come through the Holy Spirit. He fed me a fire. Jesus Christ calls himself living water. I just drank up the living water. Jesus Christ calls himself the bread of life. I just ate the bread of life. I was feeding on the gospel. And right now I'm healthy. I'm happy. And you best believe I'm going to be jumping for joy. And you best believe i'm gonna be running around telling people and trying to set people free because i knew where they're coming from i know where they're coming from and i know where god could take them and make them you know what i mean you might be broke down busted disgusted you might be just gone in the dumps but i'm telling you right now i was there and god set me free and today is your turn today is your chance some of you guys got set free on this stage let me tell you for those of you who haven't today is still a day for you today god has brought you here for a reason. Every single person, whether you're a leader, first time visitor, second time here, you are here for a reason. God has a plan in your life and this was not an accident. I don't care if your friend just randomly invited you. It was not an accident. God is setting you up. And get ready because you're about to get rocked. Amen. God's about to change your life. And God's about to show you things that you have never even imagined. Because I'm telling you right now, if I knew where I'm gonna, I was going to be at three years ago, I would have freaked out, peed my pants, and ran away. You understand me? Uh, you don't even know what God's going to do in your life. Because I'm telling you right now, as soon as you get the concept and understanding that God is real and he changes your life and he sets you free, all you need to do is say, Lord, here I am. Take me with you. Amen? Come on, somebody. You got me preaching. I didn't even start my message yet. Come on, somebody. So today's objective, today I want to instill in you. To get over the fear of man. Get over the judgment of men. Get over what they say. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? I will still rejoice. I will still dance before the presence of the Lord because he's good and he's worthy. And he set me free. Amen. Come on. We will be speaking on Peter's denial. And Peter is who? Who's disciple? Nice and loud. Who's disciple? So he was, he was Jesus' student. He was a student. Jesus handpicked them and said, you're going to be my student. Come on, follow me. And that was Peter. So we'll be speaking on Peter's denial of Jesus. I separated three events, guys, three events that took place with Peter before uh, Christ got crucified. Three main events. Number the first event, if you want to write these down, the first event that took place was the Last Supper. 
the dinner, the, 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 when he had dinner with his disciples. The second event that took place was Jesus getting arrested. That's the second uh, event that Peter was in. And the third event that, Jesus, uh, that Peter was in was during the, uh, the trial of Jesus. While Jesus was in court, he was outside chilling. And we're about to read that right now. So the three events that I just kind of separated that Peter was a part of before the crucifixion of Christ was the Last Supper, Jesus being arrested, and uh, the duration of Jesus' trial while he was just chilling outside. Let's go ahead and read uh, Matthew chapter 26. And this has to do with the Last Supper, okay? And the, and the title of the passage, Jesus predicts Peter's denial. You guys see it? If you don't have your Bible, just look up on that screen right there. Matthew chapter 26, verse 31. Then Jesus told them, this very, might, <clears throat> I'm sorry, this very night you will fall away on account for me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd. And the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Verse 33, Peter replied. Now, this is what Peter said. Even if all fall away on account to you, I will never leave. I will never leave, God, or Jesus. I will never leave. And Peter basically said, I don't care if my world crumbles down. Everything around me crumbles down. If my plans crumble down because of you, Jesus, because you made them crumble, I don't care. I will not leave you. That's what Peter is saying right now. And let's continue reading. And we're going to go ahead on verse 34. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. This very night, he's saying, tonight before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. So Peter's saying, no, no, I, will, I don't care what goes wrong. I will never leave you, Jesus. I will never leave you. And Jesus is looking at him. And I can only imagine how sad Jesus was to know that this was going to happen. He looked at Peter and he said, look, I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you the truth. This very night, tonight, before the rooster, that chicken crows, you will disown me. Not once, not twice, but three times. Let's keep on reading verse 35. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Can you imagine the fire that was in Peter right there? Where, like Peter was like, no, God, I don't, uh, no, Jesus, I don't care what happens. I'm not going to disown you. I will not leave you. And Jesus says, you will. And as a matter of fact, you're going to do it tonight. And Peter was like, what? Can you imagine his, his reaction? <laughs> Jesus, What? You're everything to me. You're my teacher. You're my father right now. You're my father figure. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. I will never disown you, Jesus. That fire, that passion that was inside of Peter, he meant it, didn't he? He wasn't playing around. He meant it. Every single word he meant. He said, Jesus, even if I have to die, I will never leave you. How many of you guys feel that with like your family? Oh, come on, sis, it's ride or die. Come on, come on, brother. It's you and me. You and me. You know how many guys said that before? Now imagine <coughs> saying that, imagine Peter saying that to Jesus. And not only did Peter say that, but then it says in verse 35, towards the end, and all the other disciples said the same. So Peter was like, I'm never going to leave you. Even after die, and the disciples were like, yes, amen. I'm with him. Even if I have to die, Jesus, I'm not going to leave you. See, let's read verse 50. Let's go ahead and read verse 50 here. Jesus arrested. Jesus replied, friend. Okay, let's keep on going down. This is what time when Jesus was getting arrested. Okay, so we're going on to our second topic. Remember the second 
um, event was is now was the first was the Last Supper. The the second is now during uh, I'm sorry is now the uh, Jesus being arrested. Okay, so right here this is why he's being arrested. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus and arrested him. Verse 51. With that. One of Jesus' companions, so one of his boys, one of the disciples, reached for his sword, drew it, and, and uh, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. So right there it says Jesus, one of his disciples, doesn't mention who, drew a sword and went whooshink, off, to the, off of the ear. Cut his ear off because he was that passionate, you know what I'm saying? Let's go to, turn to your Bibles to John chapter 18. John chapter 18, since you don't need to turn there for me, it's okay, you stay there. It's a very short one. Because what's different, all the Gospels, they mention the same stories, okay, for the most part. But John just happens to be more descriptive in the story. Why? Because he actually mentions who drew the sword. So John chapter 18, verse 10 says, then Simon Peter. So he's saying, then Peter, who had a sword, drew it. And struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his ear. So right there in Matthew, what we read earlier, it said uh, uh, one of his companions was one of the disciples. But John says that it was Peter. Meaning that Peter didn't just, oh, when he said, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And then here come the people to arrest Jesus. And then he's like, what? Shank. Can you imagine? Like that little dribble. He felt like a man right there. You. Do not touch him. You know what I mean? Like, ah, that fire. I'm a warrior. And what Jesus is like, boy, what you doing? You don't know what you're doing, man. Put that sword away. And you know what Jesus did? Just touched his ear, and that ear came back. Why? Why would Jesus do that to the man that was trying to arrest him? All Peter was doing was trying to defend him. He had that passion. He was like, Jesus even about to die. Yeah! Off with your ear, son. Anybody else? Bring it now. <laughs> Come on, man. He had that, man. He had a big old shanker, didn't he? You know what I mean? To cut somebody's ear. You know what I mean? He was excited. He was, Come on, ride or die, Jesus. Ride or die. Right? And Jesus said, no, no, no. Put that away, son. If you keep on reading, you go, you'll see it. Put that away. Put your sword back in your place, Jesus said to him. That's what he said. You see? So we have the, the uh, Jesus being arrested. That's the second event. Now let's go to the third one. During Jesus' trial, so while Jesus was in court, Peter was outside chilling by the fire. Peter disowns Jesus on verse 69. Now Peter was sitting out in the country yard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. Peter was like, no. Peter said, I do not know what you're talking about. Verse 71. Then he, came, then he went out to the uh, gateway where another girl saw him and said to the people, there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. And he denied it again with an oath. He, I don't know the man. He, I don't know the man, he said. What are you talking about? Verse 73. After a little while, those standing there went out to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them, for your accent gives it away. He's like, Your accent gives it away. You're one of them, aren't you? 
And then he began to call down curses on himself and began to swear to them, I don't know the man. I don't know him. Stop asking me, Peter says. I don't know him for the third time. I don't know him. He was so ashamed at that moment because he was in court. They seized Jesus. They seized him. And what did the other disciples? They scattered. They all ran. They all ran away, guys. And Peter was right there. He was, he was just wanted to hear. He was there because he wanted to know the sentence that Jesus was going to get, whether he was going to get crucified or not. Immediately, a rooster crowed. Verse 75, then Peter remembered the word Jesus has spoken before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. When you look in the book of Luke, the book of Luke, it's more descriptive. When it mentions this story, because it says after he denied him three times, the rooster crowed. And just when the rooster crowed, they were taking Jesus up. He was like this. And the guards were next to him. And Jesus stopped. He looked back. And he made direct eye contact with Peter. And Peter at that moment realized, oh, my gosh. I just denied Jesus, my God, my Lord, my Savior. Three times, like you said I was. And I said, I'll, I said, I'll die for him. And here I am denying him. Can you imagine the heartbrokenness within Peter's heart at that moment when Jesus looked? They just made, Jesus was just arrested. And he just looked back. He looked back. Kept on walking. And at that moment, Peter went outside and he wept. He cried bitterly, meaning he cried heavily. He was just hurt. How many of you guys have been hurt before and you just cried and you cried? and you just, It's like to the point where you couldn't even cry anymore, but you kept on crying. The tears weren't even coming out. That's pretty much, uh, I'm assuming, Peter cried and then some. You see, we find right here, guys, those three events have a reason. I mentioned those three events for a reason, okay? <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I mentioned the Last Supper, Jesus arrested, and uh, the duration of the tri- uh, trial for a reason. Because when we, while, we find while Peter was among his disciples was while Peter was with his boys, when Peter was with Jesus and the disciples, his boys, like, yeah, I'm with the disciples, all 12 of us, what's up? Like a posse or something, right? Like a little holy king, you know? Yeah, what's up? They were bold. They were like, yeah, what's going on? See, Peter was bold. When he was with his boys, with the disciples, he was bold. When he was among believers, when he was among people who believed in God, the same thought that he had, he was normal in that group, wasn't he? He was normal. And he was, he was bold. He was like, yeah, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Matthew 26, 35. And then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest servant, cutting off his ear. John chapter 8, verse 10. He was bold, wasn't he? He was bold. He said, I don't care if I die. I'm going to go. I will never disown you. Isn't that what Peter said? Amen. Come on. Don't make that weak. Isn't that what Peter said? Amen. Come on now. But we also find that while Peter was by himself, his boldness was gone and denied even knowing, even knowing Jesus Christ. When he was with his boys, when he he was normal among his believers, among his friends, he was like, yeah, 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 what's up? I'm I'm bold. I'll die for you, God. And then when he was by himself, he didn't even want to mention that he knew Jesus. You caught that? In verse 70, 
It says, I don't know what you're talking about. Verse 72, I don't know the man. Verse 74, I don't know the man. Compare those. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. I don't know the man. Total opposite, isn't it? You see how real that is? That's a disciple. That was a man that was close to Jesus Christ. You see, Peter, who thought he was willing to die for Jesus, and I want everybody to pay attention. This is one of the most powerful parts of this message, okay? Peter, who thought he was willing to die for Jesus Christ, now faced the truth that in the time of testing, when he was tested, he had failed. Because he had a fear of man. And the time of testing, Peter failed. He realized once that rooster crowed and Jesus made direct eye contact with him, he failed. Because he was afraid of man's opinion and man's judgment. You see what I'm saying? Now now do you guys see what I'm saying? Now do you guys get an understanding of what this message is about? You see, many times we have a tendency of being bold and on fire when we're at, when we have other people around us. But at the time when we're, we're, we're by ourselves, this is a different story, isn't it? When we're in here, we're in elevate, we're like, yeah, yeah, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, I got my feet shot. Right? Sing the songs, man. Proud of it. Jesus, tell me what what you want, what you really want, right, right, we'll sing that with boldness, with fire, no problem whatsoever, because you're, you're normal in this place, aren't you, when you do that, you're normal, but when you step outside, what's up, what's up, what do you do, do you still do those things, do you still proclaim Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Will you still say, yes, I am a worshiper of Jesus Christ? Yes, I, hey, just this Friday, I don't know what happened. I felt something, it's Jesus, and now I'm saved. You know what I mean? Okay, I don't know, but I'm going to find out. And I'll tell you what happened later on when I found out what exactly happened. All I know is that I serve Jesus Christ. That's what you're saying now, right, to your friends, right? But are you going to say that in your schools? Are you going to say that on your lunch tables? Are you going to say that when you chill with your girls, with your boys, with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your family members, your, your friends in the neighborhood? You understand what I'm saying? Are you still going to have that fire, that boldness? Or are you going to be like, are you going to deny even knowing who Jesus Christ is? Because when you're among your school, I'll tell you right now, we go to Foreman every single Thursday. We go to Prosser High School every single Friday. And we... Guys, come on, man. We, we talk to atheists, people who do not believe in God. We talk to Muslims. We talk to Mormons, Jehovah Witness. And Mormons, Jehovah Witness are cults, okay? There's people in your schools that go to those cults and churches and things like that. You know what I mean? We talk to people who deny the Bible. And I'm telling you right now, when, like, if I'm talking to them, I'm the oddball, aren't I? When I'm in your school, how many of you guys know I go to your school? How many of you guys know I go to Shures? I go to, I go to all your schools for me. You guys see me there. I preach the word. How many of you guys know when I step into your campus, I'm the oddball. They're looking at me. There's that crazy guy that loves Jesus. I don't want to hear him. Right? How many of you guys know what I'm talking about, man? Come on now. You're going to get shy on me now. You guys know what I'm talking about, man. When you go in your school and you know that you're the only one that loves Jesus in a five-mile radius, okay, you're just like, oh, Lord, help me. Because I'm the only one. I feel like I'm the only one in the whole world right now. When you're in that one building, you feel like you're the only one in the whole world. It's hard. But are you going to deny him? 
Amen. Let's continue reading. <laughs> the unfortunate fact, unfortunate fact, guys, okay, just, just keep this in mind, is that you will probably, like Peter, face the truth that in a time of testing, you have, you will, in the future, you're, you're experiencing some sort of failure now. I'll tell you right now, I'm not, I was, guys, I failed. Just like Peter, I failed plenty of times. When I first got saved, when I was first born again, I was first experiencing, come on now, I was barely like, what are they doing? Oh, my gosh, they're racing their hands, singing to the walls or something like that. You know what I mean? And then here I am, like, speaking to somebody about Jesus. Well, what are you doing, church? Uh, we sing to the walls. You know what I mean? You don't know. You don't know. You know what I mean? But, but hey, you know what You know what was able to prevent that? Side note, let's just get off the subject real quick. You know what prevents that? Discipleship. Somebody say discipleship. Being a student. Of the word of God. Hit me up if you want info. Okay, anyways, back to the message, okay? That prevents that, okay? Because I'm telling you right now, it took me a long time, and I really wish that the day I got saved was the day I got discipled, okay? Because I was walking around lost aimlessly. Anyways, so the unfortunate fact is that, hey, man, you probably will in your life. You're, gonna, you're probably going to fail. You're probably going to fail. You're probably going to fall on your face, man. You're just going to be like, man, Lord, I just, I'm sorry. I messed up. I was afraid. I had a fear of man. I had a fear of judgment. God, forgive me, please. And you see, as Christians, our job is, is not to just sit around and do nothing. As Christians, you are called to be a disciple, amen? So let's just bring that side note, bring it to the message, and just know right now, realize that, yes, okay, you might fail, okay, you might stumble, like Peter, okay, like Peter the disciple, but guess what? What can separate you from a quote-unquote Average believer of God, because there's a lot of believers, right? If I were to go outside and ask 10 people if they believe in God, 9 out of those 10 people would say, yes, I believe in him. Well, does that get them to heaven? No, it does not, because guess what? So does the devil and so does the demons. The devil himself talked to Jesus face and face, face to face. You understand me? He spoke to him. He believes in him. He's seen the things of what Jesus and God, the miraculous powers, but does that mean the devil's going to go to heaven? No, it's not enough to believe. It's not enough to believe, guys. You understand me? So what separates you? What separates me when I fall from a person that just believes and falls every day and doesn't even probably even realize it? You know what it is? Two. Two things. I'm born again, have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And two, I'm a disciple. I'm a disciple. Meaning I'm a student. I know this word of God. Why do I know the Bible? Why do I know this thing? Because I was taught it. Because I sat down and somebody took the time to teach me. Somebody actually cared enough about me and about the relationship that I have with God to know that in order for me to survive, not just as a believer, but as a man of God, I have to know this word. And I have to apply it in my life. I have to live it. It's not enough to just know it. It's not enough just to read it. You have to live it. In order to experience God, you have to live it. Live what the Bible tells you. That's how you know you're born again. When you have a relationship with God, that's how you know you're born again and you're going to heaven. 
Amen. So what separates it, guys? Come on, man. If you're if you're a believer, you're not just a believer. You shouldn't just be a believer. You're called to be a disciple. Guys, I'm telling you, elevate right now. Every single one of you are going to grow up, graduate high school, go to college, get some sort of degree. And amen. That's what I want you guys to do, man. I want I, I I'm telling you right now, I believe every single one of you have the capability of being doctors, of being <coughs> lawyers, mechanics, technicians, whatever it is that your heart desires. OK, whatever you want to be in life, be that. But guess what? You will be a disciple in Jesus name. Amen. You will be a minister. You have to not just be a doctor. You have to be a doctor. That's also a disciple. You can't just be a mechanic. You have to be a mechanic that loves the Lord and spreads the word of God. Amen. Not everybody is called to be a pastor like me. Not everybody's called, but you know what? Everybody is called, and Jesus commands us to be disciples. Amen? Keep that in mind. When you go into high school, just don't think to yourself, I'm a Christian, or I'm just born again. I'm a disciple, and I have to live out to what that Bible tells me to do. We are called to preach the word of God to the lost. We are called to preach the word of God, not being ashamed, not being afraid of man, not being afraid of what man's going to think of me. When I go to Prost, when I go to uh, Foreman, when I go anywhere, and I talk about Jesus Christ, don't you think I get mocked? Don't you think I get people make fun of me? Don't you think people just look at me and they walk away like, this guy is the weird. The heck are you talking to me about Jesus? Yes, it happens all the time. But guess what? God is worth it. God is worth it. Because he's changed my life. He's changed my life. And if you allow him, he'll change yours. And when you allow him to change your life, I'm telling you right now, you will not see anything the same way. You have a revelation. It's like you're walking around. If you're a believer and you come to church, you're good. You're just like, yeah, you have one eye just kind of closed like that as you're walking around. But when you're being discipled, you're beginning to understand. You have that relationship and you're living out what the Bible says. It's like you have a whole other eyeball. You're just like, whoa. I've been walking around with one eye this whole time and all I had to do was just have a relationship with God. Wow, I see things so much different now. You understand that concept, guys? You see? Do not be afraid of what man thinks of you. If you, right now, declare Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you have been changed either today, yesterday, last year, three years ago, like me, March 11, 2007, if you have been changed by God, then declare it and do not be ashamed of it. Amen? You see, I am going to let, I'm not going to let the past hold me down. Yes, I have failed. I told you, yes, I have failed. Man, the, my biggest worry, my biggest struggle was when I would go evangelize, when I would go witness and tell people about Jesus, was those big businessmen, those intellectuals that will go around, and, you know, they're, they're smart, they have their degrees, and I'm here just going, oh, uh, hey, do you, do you, know, you want to know about Jesus? I'm all shy at that time. They're just like, Jesus, I have a house, I have a car, I have a family, I have a, I have a PhD, I have a bachelor's degree, I have all this education, I don't need Jesus. Jesus doesn't exist. He'll shoot me down, man. I'm just like, oh, Lord. Man, because that hurts, man. When somebody kind of shoots you down, it's just like you kind of take it personal a little bit, don't you? You can. But you see, you shouldn't. You can't let it. Because people have a choice in this life to choose to serve God and choose not to serve God. You right now, today, hopefully the majority of you, I know the majority for sure, are serving God today. You see, that was my fear, guys, facing those big intellectual businessmen. Whatever. That's the past. I'll tell you right now, I went to Mardi Gras this year. 
And I went up to every businessman. I went up to every man that had a big old suit in a suitcase and had a beer in his hand. Sir, you need Jesus Christ. I'm Jewish. Good. I worship your Messiah. And I'm telling you right now that you need Jesus Christ. You need to be born again. And I just witnessed to them. I'm, I don't have a fear of man anymore. I don't care if you have a ginormous, uh, uh, um, what's called, mohawk or a little tiny one like this brother over there. You know what I mean? I don't care if you're looking grungy. I don't care if you're emo. If you're gothic or whatever it is, I'm going up to you. Hey, you know who Jesus Christ is? You guys should see me witness, man. I was just full of person. Come on, Liz. What was I doing today? There was a guy walking down the street. Hey, Jose? Jose? And the guy's like white. Hey, Jose, right? Julio? No. What? Yeah, I met you before. Huh? What? Oh, dude, I'm sorry. What's your name? David. Oh, well, David. Hey, man, since I stopped, do you know who Jesus Christ is? Boom. I'll do anything to preach the word of God, guys. You know what I want? <laughs> You want to know what I did, man? You want to know some crazy things I did, man? I'll stand on my head, like just look silly and preach like this if I have to. But look, you know Foreman High School, right? Foreman, you guys, a lot of some of you guys are actually from Foreman. There was a guy running, jogging. This brother was fit, man. This guy was just jogging around Foreman High School. Like we were there for an hour, and the whole thing was jogging. We were witnessing, and I'm just like, man, if this guy passes one more time, I'm jogging and I'm running and I'm witnessing to him. And then they were just like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. And I'm just like, no. And I see him coming, and I'm just like, I'm just cuffing up my shoes at that time. I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, I think I was actually wearing these Converse, too. And I was just cuffing these up, and I'm just like, all right, buckle my belt a little tighter. And I see him, and I go, hey, how you doing? Hey, hey, you know who Jesus Christ is? Huh? He's just running. I'm like, yeah, Jesus. What? Yeah, bro, being born again. Be bored again. Yeah, you know, I'm just witnessing them. And then I know it was God. You know how I know it was God? Because I'm running and I'm flipping through the pages. Yeah, John 3 3 says that you need to be born again in order to enter the kingdom of God. Oh, really? Yeah, dude. Oh, man, do you have a relationship? No, I never really had a relationship. Really? Dude, you should try it, man. God changed your life. And I shared my testimony and I was doing this the whole time and I was actually flipping through pages. I, man, I was running. And I had the two laps around the whole school, around the whole foreman. Woo, in my jeans, and I was just not out of breath. I was running, and I'm like, brother, hey, man, it was good meeting you. Yeah, you too, man. Hey, here's a flyer. You didn't put it in your pocket. Boop. Hey, thanks. All right, later, boop. That was a seed that was planted. I would do anything to preach the word of God. You understand me? I don't care how stupid I look. I don't care because there are people's souls at stake. Do you understand me? There are people who are headed to hell. Your brothers, your sister, my mother, my sister, your cousins, your friends, your best friends. Your neighbor, the person who sits across from you in the lunch table. Those, there's people that are going to hell. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to be afraid of what they think about you? Are you going to deny Jesus Christ like Peter did? Deny even knowing him? Are you going to stand out in boldness? Are you going to go out and declare the gospel? Hey, man, I know you probably don't even believe in God, but I have a story to tell you. And let me tell you why I believe in God. He took me out of this, this, and this, and that. Now what? God is real, and I know he's real because he changed my life. I was like this, and I'm like this now. Prove that to me, science. Prove that to me, science. Come on. Can't no gorilla do that to me. Don't worry about the past. If you messed up, you messed up, okay? But now it's time to pick yourself up. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. The Bible says to not dwell on the past. If you failed before, pick yourself up and keep on going. You know how you know you know how you know you're different when you pick yourself up. That's how you know you're a disciple. When you don't give up, 
and you're striving for that relationship with God. Amen. We cannot allow the fear of man to stop us. It can, it can be hard, but the Holy Spirit, somebody say, but the Holy Spirit will be there to give you the words to speak. It might be hard to go up to that person that you know God has been telling you to go to, and you're being all super shy, and you're being, you don't even want to think what he's going to say to you. You don't even want to know how fast he's going to curse you out. But let me tell you something. When God tells you to go to somebody, or God tells you to do something, or go somewhere, you be led by the Holy Spirit, and let the Holy Spirit speak through you, and let God guide you. Let God guide you, and you'll be surprised at what God will do in your life. You'll be like, oh, my gosh, you actually want to accept Jesus? Whoa! And you'll be like, what do I do now? <laughs> Adolfo, I just talked to this girl, and she says, you want to accept Jesus? What do I do now? Brother, you pray for her. Oh, thank you, Adolfo. I'll call you later, dude. Thanks. Peace. Doop. That's my phone's there for. Amen. Come on. I got a sidekick. Wham. Flip that sucker open. Text me. I'll text you right back. Man, like that. Like that. That fast, dude. That fast. Freaking fast. Someone say, freaking, freaking fast. That's how fast I'll text you back. Amen. So here we go, man. Like I said, you have to be uh, trusted in the Holy Spirit, trusted in God enough to know that he's going to guide you. Somebody say, God will guide me. How do you, how do I know that? How do, how can I sit here and tell you that? Why? Because the Bible, the one book that I live my life on and will die for, tells me in Isaiah chapter 42 verse 6, I, the Lord, have called you into righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. God says that you will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light. Somebody say a light. To the Gentiles. Gentiles are people who are not Jewish. So God is telling you, I will grab your hand and I will make you a light unto the Puerto Ricans. I will make you a light unto the African Americans. I will make you a light to the Samoan youth. I will make you a light unto the Albanians, okay? I will make you a light unto everybody that I need you to be a light on. Verse 7 says, to open the eyes that are blind. God says that he's going to use you. He's going to take your hand and he's going he's gonna to use you to open the eyes that are blind, to free the captives from prison. He's not talking about jail, guys. He's talking about spiritual prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. You guys know that when I was not saved, when I was in the world, when I was an alcoholic and I was all just jacked up in the world, I was in prison. I was in a dungeon, and a dungeon is that deep down in the basement, dark, dirty, busted, all moldy, insects, nasty, isn't it? That's what a dungeon is. It was people, the, the, uh, people just threw them in there, chained up, left them to die and rot. That's where I was spiritually. And God is saying that you today, if you trust in God, you allow him to just stick out your hand and allow him to grab it. He said he's going to use you to open the blind eyes. And better yet, he's going to use you to release from the dungeon those who sit in the darkness. That is how good God is. That is how faithful he is. That is how powerful our God is. The devil don't got nothing. He ain't nothing but a chump. Little chihuahua pink tutu wearing sissy. 
That's what the devil is to me. I kick him around. I comes at me with a scare tactic. I'm like, devil, shut up in Jesus' name. Runs away from me. Come on, somebody. Not boasting to myself because I only do that through the power of Christ. Walk, guys, elevate men and women of God, disciples. Walk with boldness and the Holy Spirit power. Somebody say power. Come on, somebody say power. Okay, so your job today is not just to be a disciple, but is to walk around in assurance, in boldness, in power, in fire, knowing that God can, will, and will do it again. He will use you over and over and over and over again as long as you are willing. Be guided by the Holy Spirit in power. What is it? Deuteronomist? Deuteronomy's explosive power for Yahweh. Amen. He's going to, come on, man. Explosive power. God is going to use you, man. God will use you. He'll work in you and he'll work through you. Amen. Come on, man. He wants to work in you. And what? Power. Power. He wants to work through you in. Come on, somebody. The Holy Spirit wants to work through you in power. power. Power, guys. You have power behind the name of Jesus Christ. You, have, you do not need to fear man or his judgment because you have the power of the Holy Spirit. And you have the power of the mighty God behind you. Amen. It don't matter what's in front of you. Just say whatever's in front of me. Whatever wall is in front of me is going down. Whatever lie is in front of me, it's going down. Whatever type of depression is in front of me, it's going down. I'm knocking it down. And I'm wearing a hard hat. I got my jackhammer. And I got my bazooka on the side. And I'm going to blow that sucker down. Our depression. Rock that sucker down. I don't care what you're facing. You have the power of God. The power of God. The power of God to go forth and change the world. Amen? I don't know about you, but I know I'm chosen not just to change your lives, not just to change my lives, not just to change the little man's life, but I'm called to change lives around the world. I'm here to change the world. God has called me to the nations. I am going to the world to change lives through God in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Come on, somebody. Guys, you should have known better than make me preach. Surprise, I still have my voice. Amen. Somebody say amen. Come on. So what happened to Peter? So we now analyze our lives. Now we, we see what Peter, he failed. Okay, yes, he failed. He denied Jesus Christ. Yes, he did. But what now? Was he not still a great man? Let's see what happened. Turn to your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Come on, somebody. This is powerful right here. I pray this over my life every day. Let me get an amen with you there. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw... 
what, uh, what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, filled with the Holy Spirit. Power. <laughs> and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So when you saw it was coming up here, you know what I mean? Just, just talking some tongue. You know, it kind of sounded like, you know what I mean? It sounded like that. It sounded like, what the heck is that? That was the Holy Spirit baptism. That was the Holy Spirit power. What you guys felt today during worship was the Holy Spirit power manifesting within your life. Manifesting within you and your thoughts and your heart and your motives. Amen? That's what it was, man. Verse 36, let's go on. Let's skip down a little bit. Therefore, this is Peter speaking, by the way. Peter, the man who who, uh, denied Jesus three times. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When people heard this, they were what? Cut to the heart. When they heard the testimony that Peter shared, when they heard the gospel shared by Peter, their their hearts were cut. They were just like, oh, my gosh. They got it. Right there at that moment, they were like, oh, my goodness. This is for real. This is legit. And said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? This is what they said. Brothers, what, what can we do? Peter replied. Peter said, repent, ask forgiveness of your sins. That's what repent means, turning away. So if this is your sin, repenting is asking forgiveness, turning around, and not going back. That's what it is to repent. Peter said, in order to be saved, you need to repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the what? Uh, come on, say it with power. You will receive the what? Verse 39, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Verse 40, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves. Peter said, save yourselves, guys, from this corrupt generation. Those who accept this message, and this is the same message I'm preaching today, those who will accept this message were baptized, were saved, were born again. Every one of you that accepted the message were born again. Okay, you changed your life. And what, what happened after Peter preached that message? Let's keep on reading. And about 3,000 were added to their numbers that day, meaning 3,000 people got saved. How many students does Prosser have, roughly? 1,200. How many foremen? You know? About 2,000. Can you imagine God using you so much in the Holy Spirit power in the same way that he used Peter to save your entire school? God used Peter to save 3,000 people. God will use you to save your schools. Half. Thousand. 
1,200, half. If he could use 3,000, how much more can he use you? How much more can he use me? I pray this on myself almost every day. I said, Lord, give me the same power that Peter had at that day of Pentecost where he saved 3,000 people through your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, some of you guys need to pray that in your life, man. Start praying that in your life. Start praying for the Holy Spirit power in your life. And I guarantee you, you will not be disappointed. Because ever since I've been praying for the power of the Holy Spirit in my life, I have not been disappointed. God has been using me in mighty ways. Amen. And I see it before me. You know what the evidence is? You know what the proof is of, of, of me, of God using me? If you are my disciple, were my disciple, one time raise your hand. That's how I know. That's how I know. If you are a disciple now and elevate, raise your hand. Even a leader. Pretty much everybody in here. That's how I know. And I'm not, I'm not saying, hey, this is me. This is what I did. This is my youth ministry. No. I'm saying this is what God used me to do. You see, God wants to change you. And he wants to change inside of you. You see, when I came to him as an alcoholic, you think God wanted to stay, keep me as an alcoholic? Yes or no? Nice and loud. Exactly. So what did God do? He changed inside of me, but he didn't just change inside of me. He didn't just, he didn't just work in me. He worked through me. Meaning, if you have a nice shiny tool and it's a little rusty, you polish that tool up and you're going to use that tool, aren't you? I'm just God's tool. He just polished me up and he used me. Come on, somebody. Be that tool today. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up right now, everybody. Just come on, stand up. I'm going to ask for the band to come on up quickly, quickly, quickly. And I want everybody to turn to the Bible. to so Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Let me get an amen when you're there. All right, some of you, some of you there. Let's just get, keep a little more time. Matthew chapter 10. Let me get an amen when you're there. We scroll down to verse 26. So do not be afraid of them. Jesus is saying to his disciples, so do not be afraid of them. He's talking about people. Do not be afraid of people. Don't be afraid of them, Jesus is saying. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. Right here, right here. This is the part right here, guys. Pay attention. Verse 27. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. God is saying, what I whisper to you, what I whisper to you, proclaim it. What I whisper to you, you yell out. What I tell you to do, what I tell you to preach... You get on the roofs and you say, God says that you need to be born again. Whatever it is, guys, if God told me to share this message to you, do you think I'm going to sit here and whisper it in your ear? Hey, God told me that you shouldn't be afraid of men and that, uh, you know, be you. No. What did I do? I screamed it from the rooftops. I preached it in boldness. I preached it in the boldness, fire, and power of the Holy Spirit. And God could do the exact same thing in your life and ten times more. Ten times more. Allow God to change you.